Hello, and welcome back to my third podcast episode. Today, I want to focus a little bit more on something that I mentioned in the last episode. Um, And I talked briefly about the oil industry and how they were able to really bamboozle the public and um, make climate change into this two-sided issue. Um... And essentially continue to make profits without as much regulation as a result. So, um, and I related that to the tobacco industry because they um, used a very similar methodology to make it, uh, to deceive the public and um, make it seem like tobacco wasn't killing you in order to, you know, make profits. Um, And I did some more research on this because I find the subject so fascinating. And this is definitely not the first time um, in American history where this has happened, where corporations have uh, deceived the American public in order to make a profit. Um, And one example that I found that was extremely interesting was the sugar industry. And um, they are most of the reason why people continue to purchase fat-free and low-fat foods in order to lose weight and become healthier, when in fact these foods are not helping you lose weight or become healthy at all. And this um, started back in the 1900s, the 20th century, when, when scientists discovered a huge spike in obesity and other health-related disorders, and um, especially when President Eisenhower had a heart attack, the American public really wanted to look into this. So um, along came a scientist, Anzo Keys, who was immensely popular in um, just just popular culture. He was even on Time magazine once, and he was not that great of a scientist. He did not use proper research methods, and um, he really cherry-picked his data to support his conclusions. Um, And he was a big advocate of fat being the reason reason for this spike in obesity and other health-related disorders, uh, heart attacks, and uh, other cardiovascular problems, even though it was not accurate at all. And there was this other scientist who was uh, far less popular. His name was John Yudkin, uh, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, and he um, discovered early on that the spike in sugar was very closely correlated to the rise in obesity and um, other disorders, and of course he was correct. I mean, now we know that sugar is the main culprit for all of this. Um, However, the sugar industry and and, uh, keys would openly mock his data, and uh, no one uh, believed him, essentially. And and it's sad because he spent all of his life advocating this. And, of course, he was correct, but he never received proper credit. Um, In the 1960s, especially, the sugar industry paid, just just straight-up paid scientists to um, make their conclusions or... or, um, uh, do do experiments that supported the conclusion that fat what was uh, was causing obesity, and this got especially bad when the USDA um, 
they advo- they began to advocate for a low-fat diet, even though there was actually no proper scientific data that supported this inclusion. And of course, all the scientific data that did was was fake and uh, frankly bought. <laughs> um, and they also the the sugar industry was so rich and powerful by this point that they also were able to um, delegate delegate and lobby for certain individuals who were pro-sugar and anti-fat um, and, and stock them onto the health panels. Um, and, you know, sugar is more addictive than cocaine. So, of course, you know, no one really, I mean, sugar is very bad for you, and we know that to be a fact now, but no one doubted this conclusion because fat it just made sense like you eat fat you become fat makes sense no one thought much of it but um after the usda prescribed this low-fat diet obesity rates actually increased in the country and it wasn't really good for anyone um because when you take the fat out of uh like yogurt for example like when you take the fat out it makes the yogurt taste very disgusting so you'll find that fat-free yogurt actually has much more sugar than um, regular yogurt. So you should actually be eating regular yogurt because it's better for you. But this, um, the marketing and the, uh, I mean, it, it was just commonly held belief and it still continues to be commonly held belief by a lot of people that uh, eating fat-free food makes you healthier, even though that's not true at all, one bit. But, you know, it's... <laughs> It, it, these companies just have a lot of influence over our lives, and it's 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 scary because you know doing research about this, it's something that a lot of people don't really realize. Before I sort of took the time to do some research, I thought fat-free food was good for you. I mean, I I would buy fat-free things all the time because I thought they were healthier. Uh, when I was feeling like being healthy, of course, which is not usually, but <laughs> um, yeah, and. I thought it was interesting because it closely connected to ExxonMobil, who obviously, as we know, paid scientists to um, essentially claim that they were against the um, conclusion that humans were causing climate change or that climate change even existed. And of course, the tobacco industry did the same thing. And, you know, even if just a few scientists, which are paid, so they don't actually believe this, but even if a few scientists come out and claim that they believe that um, there is no conclusive or that there's nothing conclusive about this, then, of course, you know, even just instilling that doubt in people's minds is really effective. And uh, I mean, especially for climate change, because, you know, of course, no one wants to believe that the world is ending and that there's this existential threat that could kill us. Like just instilling that little doubt in people's mind is often it's often enough. Um, And ExxonMobil was able to do this. And tobacco was, of course, also able to do this, even though it was later revealed that both of these companies were well aware of um, the impact that they were having on, uh, of course, tobacco with cancer and with people and then ExxonMobil with the environment. Um, And these documents uh, revealed that for ExxonMobil, they were aware of um, climate change as early as the 1970s. And of course, these documents were only discovered in 2015. But um, it's really interesting, actually, because the data and the... um, 
the documents that they discovered essentially claimed that it could be immensely catastrophic and a lot of the things that they predicted the temperature and um just just some of the models that they created during the time are actually very accurate as to what we see happening now and and that's scary because that means that you know not only were they right they also knew exactly what they were doing and they accurately predicted that this could be terrible um and have adverse impacts but you know of course they had that uh, held that back from the public and what's really interesting about this is uh initially they sort of were a little bit more public about it and they um you know, uh, of course, they did a lot of their own research, and not all of it was public, but they did sort of support the conclusion that increasing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere could be a bad thing. I believe the, uh, their CEO or their uh, public relations expert um, in the early 2000s claimed that, you know, there could be uh, – he agreed that C, uh, CO2 could become – a really big problem. However, in 2012, um, they released a statement essentially saying that there was no conclusive data, that um, there was no scientific consensus, um, and they seemed to have forgotten their own findings because um, they kept telling people that there is no conclusion, that there is nothing conclusive. And what's really interesting is that um, it, it's kind of scary because of course, with science, it's really hard to come w up with a conclusive uh, uh, with a conclusion because you know it's always evolving, it's always changing, and there's no superlatives. Like you can't just say that something's true or not true. Um, you can support something with scientific evidence, and you can agree that there's some kind of correlation. But especially like in the real world, you can often never come to a specific conclusion just because things are so complicated and there's often so many variables and that's just the nature of science and um if you've ever read like a scientific report which i have not because they are boring but um you'll quickly notice that the language is uh, like they write in passive voice usually because you simply just cannot um come to a definitive conclusion very easily even though now i mean most scientists will agree and there's just the consensus in the scientific community that this is real and this is happening but um that years of advertising and doubt have just really made this into a two-sided issue and a lot of people still don't believe it which is interesting um you know and uh, ExxonMobil continues to fund many anti-climate organizations and um, still continues to pay scientists and give them grants to disagree and claim that there's a nuance in this issue that just does not exist. And it's interesting because they took this exactly out of Big Tobacco's playbook. And they did a really similar thing, actually, because... Uh, of course, it was discovered that they were well aware of their impacts on the environment later, and a very similar thing was discovered with Big Tobacco, where um, they, their, their scientists were one of the first to find out that tobacco and smoking cigarettes was having a detrimental effect on people's health, as, of course, there was a big rise in lung cancer and in uh, lung uh, other cardiovascular problems. And um, in, I believe it was in the 1950s, they were called before Congress to testify, and they straight up lied. 
Um, and uh, internal documents later revealed that they, they knew that it was hurting people. They knew that it was causing cancer. But instead of make that obvious to the American public, they uh, chose to lie about it. And um, yeah, so it was very much not good. And then, of course, they claimed that there was nuance and inconclusive evidence. And um, they paid scientists. They paid for fake science and um, they use significant advertisement, a lot of advertising. They really, really went crazy on the advertising and they made tobacco seem like it was this cool, um, thing and it was really romanticized and it continues to be romanticized, um, especially in American popular culture. If you watch any movies from like the fifties or sixties, you see that, um, you know, the cool characters are always like smoking and, um, of course that was all fake and paid for and, yeah, it was, I mean, if you really smoked, uh, you did not look like those movie stars, um, and, yeah, I honestly just find that super fascinating that these corporations have such a significant control over our reality, and not even just our perception of the reality, but the actual facts. They have so much money that they're able to pay these scientists to fake data and of course most most scientists are genuinely passionate about the things that they do and um uh, and, and science is really important and really usually legit but it's just interesting how they're able to even take advantage of you know the uh the language of science and the um inherent sort of inconclusiveness that comes with scientific research because of course you can never really be sure um if you're if you're conducting proper scientific research then you will always understand that there will be nuances but it's interesting how they're able to take advantage of those nuances and really make it um and still doubt in people's minds that uh any of the scientific research is real at all um scary <laughs> it really is scary and um yeah a, a lot of people still claim that this is a conspiracy type of thing and that exxon mobile never really did anything wrong and there's a lot of um uh claims about that still on the internet and of course um, <laughs> that's not true. And, and the part that I find most fascinating about, um, the whole thing with ExxonMobil and, um, any sort of organization that believes against climate change is that they are constantly changing their views on specifically which part they don't agree with. Because, of course, um, as I mentioned in the last episode, there are really no two sides to this argument. I mean, climate change is happening. That's a fact. That's been shown by science. And also, humans are the cause of climate change. Again, a fact been shown by science, been shown by models. It, it's pretty much uh, universally agreed upon in the scientific community. Um, and there really should be no political aspect to this argument. But, of course, um, there is. And I just find it super fascinating because for a long time, these... Uh, uh, anti-climate change groups believed that, you know, there was no human involvement, and that's still a popular conspiracy theory. Um, and, of course, our president believes that it's a hoax created by China, and it's just, 
it's a mess and it's frustrating because the climate is something that's so important and the earth is something that's so important um to to life i mean i think that's just the general uh agreed upon fact and um the idea that you know and and i guess it does make a lot of sense that people want to believe that there's nothing bad happening to the climate because if there is that means that would mean a huge change in the way that we live in the way that we conduct our uh, in the in the way that our society functions because you know we, we rely so much on cars and we rely so much on um factories and consumer goods and with all without all of that i really don't know how our society would function i mean I, I try to be conscious about it myself and, you know, uh, avoid single-use plastics and um, take my own grocery, reusable grocery bags and such, but um, no one can be completely sustainable. It's just impossible. I mean, even, you know, washing your clothes has a potential devastating impact on the environment and me personally who has a lot of clothes and uh, changes like three times a day for no reason um you know I definitely am not the best in that respect and then um of course even the production of clothes has a devastating impact on the environment and there's just no way to be 100% sustainable and it's also not realistic for some people because of course sustainability is expensive and it's unfortunately only a luxury that um those in higher socioeconomic uh um in in higher socioeconomic status can can afford i i mean like if i was extremely poor and I was only buying food to um I, I I would essentially just buy the cheapest thing like climate would be the last thing on my mind if I had to worry about you know um, my, my paycheck and, and and all of that I just I can't even imagine um that it would come up in anyone's mind who's you know from a poor economic socioeconomic status and you can't really expect it to because, you know, I'm going to buy just the the cheapest good possible. I'm not going to look for the one that's organic or sustainable or better for the environment. And, and that's just the norm. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's difficult. And, and especially now with COVID-19 and all of this other stuff going on, it's something that's not really in people's minds. Um, even though it really, it really should be, I know with the Australian wildfires, it's something that really came up this year, you know, because scary, like Australia burning. And then there was also, uh, the Amazon was burning, um, in 2019. And it's just, I mean, there, there needs to be a lot of change done, but it's frustrating because it seems like people can't even agree on the fact that uh, that it's a legit thing right now and yeah I I hope that in the coming years we can at least come to a consensus about that because of course it takes time but uh, for example with tobacco there's a pretty obvious consensus that it does cause cancer and there's been a lot of awareness campaigns and such but course that 
only happened after um, almost 50 years of lies and false information. And I don't really think we have that kind of time, which is scary. <laughs> and also, of, of course, people still smoke and people still buy cigarettes. And Philip Morris continues to be one of the most profitable industries or the tobacco industry continues to be one of the most profitable industries in the world. I mean, and and they continue to evolve and find ways to make people addicted to their products. I mean, with e-cigarettes and such, it's just, yeah, I mean, <laughs> people are still addicted to nicotine, and there's nothing that's really going to change that anytime soon, at least. Um, and... Of course, that there's nothing that's going to change people's minds about the climate anytime soon either. Um, at least I, I hope there is, but it'll it'll definitely take time to reverse what uh, Exxon Mobil has been able to accomplish. And I think the part about this that I find the most frustrating is these scientists and this company. Um, they were able to create some of the most accurate, uh, cutting-edge, amazing models about climate ever. And they were able to accomplish significant innovation when um, the rest of the climate community or the rest of the um, scientific community was quite a bit behind. Um, and instead of investing hundreds of millions of dollars into uh, funding anti-climate change groups and spreading co fake conspiracy theories and um, in uh, just investing in fracking and oil. I, I feel like this money could have been invested towards finding more sustainable, uh, more sustainable options as opposed to coal and uh, fossil fuels. Because at the end of the day, these things are um, a limited resource and they are definitely not sustainable in the long run. There's no way that we can continue to frack and exploit the earth like this and have it just be okay. Um, especially uh, you hear about all kinds of oil spills and problems with fracking and it's just, it, it's not going to last and it's not sustainable. And um, instead of investing you know, billions of dollars into making people believe that climate change isn't real, I would suggest that you invest billions of dollars into trying to find a more sustainable resource and a uh, way to make money that's not going to kill the environment in the meantime. Just a, just a suggestion. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I really hope that uh, whoever the CEO of ExxonMobil is or uh, whatever the oil companies are uh, to get it together <laughs> and please stop killing the earth um, and yeah anyway this is something that I'm very personally uh, passionate about quite a bit and I think that it's something that's important and I wish people were more aware about it just in general um, and yeah I, uh, I think that this episode was probably one of my favorites that I've done so far just in terms of doing research was fun and also frustrating so I'm glad I'm able to kind of vent uh, through this and yeah I, I think that's all uh, thank you for listening and uh, adios